0: Friends made me a hardcover of my thesis on female porn, um, like back when I did it. And I have it on my bookshelf with all the rest of my books. And so I decided to like get it down and like start reading it. And I don't know who this bitch was, but she was brilliant. I was just reading reading it and it felt so foreign. It was as if I was reading it for like the first time. And I used to be able to like, just like live and breathe. I was reading so much like sex and porn literature. I know. I remember you had a bookshelf full of it. And it was just crazy to read over it because I think, and this is something that will, you know, Talk about is like why we are like rebooting the podcast or relaunching why it. The, why like. the
1: wet seat went dry? <laughs> why
0: why the wet seat went dry? And uh, yeah, I think like the experience of like rereading it again is. I was like, oh, I totally like feel like I lost connection with whoever this human being was that wrote this thing.
1: I'm Ashley, and I'm Susanna. And you're in
0: the wet seat every single episode. We come on and we try to wait. No, no, stop the bullshit. Every
1: single episode. Come on, we have to we have to address the elephant in the room, as it were.
0: What elephant? The elephant? (laughs) The elephant that we haven't been on the air in like a year. Okay, fine. Backtrack. Backtrack. (laughs) What we want to talk about with you guys today is uh, we're calling this episode "Sex Interrupted." Um, which it kind of takes on a lot of different meanings and like what we're going to talk about because we're going to talk about kind of uh, life things, things that happen that can disrupt your sex life and actually question. Or your sex podcast podcast life. (laughs) Or your sex podcast life. Um, And kind of what I don't know what life can deal you and how that can actually have uh, impacts on the way you talk about sex, the way you think about sex, yeah. uh, the way you interact with sex. And for us, that was this podcast. <laughs> totally. Um, but I think it's like a, just a, a general uh, reintroduction. Yeah, um, We are the wet seat and <laughs> um, the intention of this podcast, uh, why this was started in the first place is we wanted to have open conversations about uh, sexual experiences that we felt weren't getting their airtime. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> uh, I think that Suzanne and I both agree that the way that we've seen kind of like transformational change happen within like the individual lives around us is when people were just given the space to talk about sex in a way that is is non-judgmental, is open, uh, and is also like challenging um, in a way. Well... Shall we uh, dive in? I guess. How do you want to uh, dive in?
1: Well, I don't know. I guess we should talk about like why the seat ran dry.
0: Okay. Do you want to talk about have... why the
1: seat ran dry? <laughs>
0: <I> mean, <laughs> it sounds like you uh, don't want to talk about that. I'm just, you know, I'm just giving, I'm giving a heads up to the listeners. Um, yeah, there's gonna be some head not head. Be, there might be some heavy shit and that's okay because, um, you know what? Sex isn't funny all the time as much as I try and make it that way. True.
1: <laughs> well, I would say that from my perspective, um, what happened was we were living together in the same city in Boston. Um, and then Ashley, your mother died. And that was a really traumatic experience and we both sort of well you first you moved to LA so suddenly we were physically separated by distance um and i obviously want to hear from you um what that whole experience was like um and want you to describe that for our listeners but on my end i think i was in um I was in a place where I was trying to figure out... I no longer wanted to be in Boston, if we're looking at a year ago. And I was trying to figure out how to get out. And I was also in a relationship that was hitting some road bumps. And I didn't know what to do about it for a long time. And my partner and I were pretty incapable of talking about it for a long time. Um, and I think I also didn't know how to be a friend to you in the aftermath of your mom's death.
0: That's fair. Join the club.
1: Uh, Yeah. I (laughs) I mean, I think part of it was that like we were physically separated. And prior to that, we had spent so much time living together that like, I mean, even when we stopped living together in Boston, I think that was a transition for us. Like Mm -hmm. you graduated a semester earlier than I did. We both ended up in relationships and I don't think we were making time for each other in the same way because we were so accustomed to just like coming home and being able to shoot the shit and, you know, smoke a bowl or whatever and fall asleep in each other's bed.
0: You smoke (laughs) drugs. Not really, dude.
1: (laughs) That's the truth. I, like, pretty much don't uh, smoke a bowl and promptly tell Ashley that I was going to go masturbate and go to sleep. This was, like, this Ashley refused to smoke me up because she would be, like, if I smoke you up, you have to promise you're not going to immediately disappear and go masturbate and fall asleep. And I was, like, I cannot promise that at all. (laughs) That was what it was like every time we we smoked together. Um. But yeah, so I think I think we were already in a position of like in a new place in our friendship and not necessarily like knowing how to be in that place. Mm-hmm. And then um after your mom died, I think I I mean I, I wouldn't say that it like blanket changed everything. Um but I think I because I wasn't living with you also, I didn't know when when to give you space versus when to like make myself present. Um, That's real. cause I didn't have like a, a key on that in the same way that you do when you're living with someone. Mm-hmm. And That's then true. I would say last January. So which was the last time we recorded, if you remember, mm-hmm. I flew out to LA. I took a month off of my life. Um, I spent a month in sunny, sunny California Mm -hmm. And then flew back to Boston and realized I didn't want to be in a relationship. I didn't want to be living in the city anymore. And sort of like spent the next four months, three, four months figuring out how to make all those things happen. And now I live in New York and I am not in a relationship. And I am studying with a um, theater company here in the city um, I'm about to go into my second semester, as it were, um, training with them. I'll be training with them through May. So that's that's
0: that's my take on things. Um, so yeah, I <laughs> so Wait, also, when I, also, I think it's
1: important for the listeners to know that you and I did not talk about the fact that we were stopping working on the wet seat
0: mm-hmm. it
1: just <laughs> happened and it then yeah. <laughs> like we we published that last episode that we recorded in LA
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then we we literally did not talk about the podcast like we stopped recording we didn't talk about the fact that we stopped recording we didn't talk about resuming until like 3 weeks ago yeah, it was and sort I think, of this like silent agreement.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think that with when my wow, it's kind of weird. To, I kind of want to go backwards. I'm going to go. Back. Yeah, go back. Go <laughs> I'm going to tell this. I'm going to tell this story backwards. No, because oh, okay. I think that the. I think that it's actually harder to explain if I'm like, well, when my mom died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's. I think it's more about. I think that over the past year. I have understood for the first time, uh, the act of losing oneself. Mm. And I don't think I've ever had a life event. I think we like see movies about it and we read books about it, about how people feel like they like have lost connection with themselves and they don't (laughs) know who they are. And I feel like I've never had, I've always felt very, um, Resolute is that the word yeah. that I'm like very like resolved in like who I was and like, um especially at the time we were recording this, um I I gained like so much. My number one priority in life was like sex education and having hard conversations about sex um, and making sure that people feel comfortable about themselves and their sexuality and how can I help? Uh, kind of facilitate that. And, and I even wanted to be a sex therapist. And like, those were all ideas that I was entertaining. And then as soon as my mom died, I remember, I mean, in the weeks after, um, in the weeks after I remember, (laughs) first of all, being, becoming disillusioned with social media. Mm. Oh Um, my God. I remember that too. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that was like the first thing that went, uh, was I, cause I used to post and make sex education. Like I'd like spread news, all that like shit, have conversations with people about sex and like sex workers and all that stuff. And I completely like, I just would like look at the screen and I would like make a post or something. And then I would immediately delete it because I was like, there are so many burdens in this world. Mm. And I was kind of like, this is what I spend my energy on. Yeah. This this? Like I didn't, I was like, you know, I think that my mom's death also had to do with like a lot of, I think like societal issues that don't get talked about a lot. And I don't know if I necessarily want to talk about it on the podcast, sorry listeners, but uh, I can talk about me. yeah <laughs> um But I think it just like when life reared its ugly head and like showed how fucked up it could be. I was just like, I cannot, I'm not interested in talking about sex. I'm not interested in this anymore. And it's just interesting. Cause like that was kind of like the core of who I was yeah. and it's like what brought me the most joy. But then I all of a sudden felt like it was like worthless.
1: Well, and I remember, um, and correct me if this doesn't sound accurate, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I remember you saying that, you felt like anything you could possibly say on the internet about anything other than your mom was so trivial and like her, her absence was so all encompassing that to post something else, something that had nothing to do with her, like made no
0: sense. Yeah, I think that actually sums it up really well. Mm. Cause like I still haven't like changed my profile picture, which has her in it. Yeah. And I'm, and it's because like I think I could do it now if I really wanted to. I again I'm still disillusioned with a lot of social media, so like yeah. I ultimately don't give a shit. Um, but I don't I don't care to like come up with a new profile picture. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I felt like in a weird way, I felt like posting about anything that wasn't my mom was like erasure or like yeah, it just didn't make sense because I think I would, how like,
1: do you post about your mom on the internet? Like I remember you struggling with that, too, and feeling like that was such a weird thing to do. and also like the only thing to do.
0: Well, yeah, I feel like a lot of, I mean, I understand that it must be therapeutic for some people, but for me, it felt like more obligatory. yeah. And I think that my mindset at the time was like, I think that when something like that happens in your life, you have no obligation to do literally anything Mm -hmm. so (laughs) so like yeah the act of like posting about it like i was like doing it out of obligation when like i very much felt like i shouldn't have to do anything
1: well and then you were on the receiving end of some weird shit from other people right
0: uh maybe have i repressed it
1: just, like, getting um, getting private messages from people.
0: Oh, oh, for sure. People, man, when there is nothing that brings people out, like, when a family member of yours dies under mysterious circumstances, like, if people cannot find it in the the obituary, mm-hmm. they will, like, message you privately to essentially, like, be like, hi, how are you, under the guise of, like, helpfulness, but it's actually just so they can, they can get information.
1: That's so... Uh, I mean, yeah, talk about being disillusioned with social media.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was like, you're not messaging me because you care. You're messaging me because you would like to know more, Uh, which I will not be forgiving you. Um, But it's, yeah, so I think that was definitely like, it was like podcast interrupted, life interrupted. Um, Yeah, and also... I think a lot of like, uh, like my sexual journey as like a human being was also kind of disrupted because, uh, I think at the time, um, I don't know. I've been very proud of like my current relationship in terms of like, it's like growth in terms of like our ability to like talk about like what we want and like our sexual desires and what's next. And, um, and kind of like defining expectations around like what we want to do and not what anyone else wants to do. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like everything got put on. I had a lot of nights where I think that when you feel like you, like, I didn't recognize it at the time. What I now know is that I had lost myself Yeah. and I didn't know, I did not have a core of who I was anymore. I was just like, survive, survive, survive. Uh, you know, make the world believe that you're fine. And also like, um, what's most important is that like you raise your middle finger to the (laughs) fates, and you're like, I'm still going to kick ass. Watch me. Yeah. And I think that my, uh, yeah, I just, wasn't a person. I was like a, 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 a robot going towards like, must be like fine. I
1: have to say though, as far as people like ripping themselves through the world and be like, fuck the universe, fuck everything. So help me, God, I'm still going to be excellent. I don't care if this is shit. Like I will show you that I am fucking indestructible. You do a pretty good job of that. Like more so than anyone I've met. And I'm not going to say that that's, you know, necessarily 100% healthy. Um, I don't think most people would, but it's a very natural instinct, I think, um, to be like, I have to, I'm going to keep going. I mean, cause like, what else
0: is there? Yeah. I mean, I, the other option was stop. And I also kind of realized, I think that in those moments, like if anyone has ever like experienced like grief and death and all that shit, like, um, you soon realize that stop isn't actually an option. Yeah. You will keep going. Yeah. And you can either keep going in a way that like you can control or you can keep going in a way that like, you're not actually in control over. Mm. Um, but yeah, stop ain't an option. So it's funny cause like this whole thing is called sex interrupted and like <laughs> it was interrupted, but not stopped for sure. Right. And I think like, um, I don't know. I, I said all this to like <laughs> my connection back to sex. This is not funny, but like when you feel like you've lost yourself, having sex can be more like, can be like an out of body experience. Yep. And I think that like in the six months after my, I'm going to say six months after my mom died, I've, like most of the time when I was having sex, uh, I, I cried like a third of the time. Wow. And I, and I think it's because it's not because the sex was bad. No, I'm not uh, it's that. not because I was in pain. It wasn't, it wasn't pain. It wasn't whatever. It was actually because mm-hmm. I was repressing all of my feelings. I had no outlet to talk about what I wanted to talk about or how I felt. And so I wasn't seeing a therapist. I wasn't like, whatever. And so sex is a release. Yep. And so when the, when like sex emotions came out, so did all of the emotions. And so, I don't know. It was interesting. Cause like when I would have sex, I would also be angry or I would be, yep. you know, full of grief. And, uh, yeah, I just think sex in. That's really,
1: I mean, okay. So I'm going to relate like this to a trivial thing.
0: Wait, say that again sex during trauma is cray cray. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I'm going to relate this to a trivial thing that it very much speaks to what you're saying. And then I'm going to relate it to a personal experience. But, okay. um, so I've been watching a lot of sex in the city. There is much to be talked about there. We won't go into that but there's an episode where um sorry spoiler alert season 4 so, um Miranda <laughs> Miranda's mother dies and Samantha who's the like hypersexualized um character played by Kim Cattrall um mm-hmm. Samantha doesn't call Miranda to be like, I'm so sorry. She doesn't cry. She doesn't feel anything. She's just like, I have to have an orgasm. And she tries Mm -hmm. to have sex and she like, can't have an orgasm at all. And she's like trying for like two and a half days. She's like fucking all these people and then spending a day like masturbating just to try and have an orgasm. Mm -hmm. They go to this funeral and finally she cries and she realizes that, um, like what she needed was a release and she related that release with sex and with orgasm and what she actually needed was to cry. But I think these two things are like insanely linked. The fact that like, if, if you are neglecting some part of your emotional life, especially trauma, it's Mm -hmm. going to rear its head during sex. Like there is just not, I think that's true about any physical experience of the body. Like I, when I was leaving, so in August, Mm -hmm. I went abroad for three weeks and it was the like button on a, an eight month or seven month period. That was incredibly stressful Mm -hmm. I was working really hard, both at the cafe I was working at and on these various shows. I had a lot of like relation, various relationships sort of blow up and be really insane. And I was just like pushing myself and pushing myself and pushing myself. I moved all of my shit to New York. I said goodbye to my life in Boston and I landed on the ground in Paris. And I was like, maybe now I'll cry because I hadn't cried yet. And I kept on saying Mm -hmm. goodbye to people and everyone was like, why aren't you crying? Like I'm crying. And I was like, I don't know. Like everything's out of whack. Nothing's happening (laughs) at the right moment. Maybe I'll cry in Paris. So I got to Paris and I didn't cry. And I was like, maybe I'll just never cry. Maybe I'll never feel the gravity of this moment. And then Mm -hmm. I got a tattoo (laughs) And it took <laughs> two hours, which given the size of this t- tattoo is actually very brief, it took two hours and I got back to my Airbnb in Venice mm-hmm. and I wept like a fucking child for like 45 minutes because mm-hmm. my body had undergone some trauma and everything that I was ha- like, hadn't dealt with or hadn't processed yet came bubbling to the surface. Hmm. Wait, okay. Also another tangent, but I think this really relates.
0: Have you read any Roxane Gay? Yes, though I will say I'm not, I've never been able to finish a book. So I'm listening to
1: Hunger on Audible right now. Oh yeah. Um. I haven't read Bad Feminist. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I think it's actually easier to listen to. So can I read this, um, this quote from Hunger? You may. In bed with my girlfriends, I sometimes pretended I was with someone else. Someone with a body harder in certain places, leaner in others. I told myself it was enough. I told myself everyone has fantasies. I hated myself for wanting men when men had hurt me so badly. I told myself I was gay. I told myself this was all I could have so I couldn't get hurt. I told myself I was stone. For quite some time, I touched but I wouldn't allow myself to be touched. I was stone and untouchable. I seethed. I was swollen with desire, with a desperate need to be touched, to feel a woman's skin against my skin, to find release through pleasure. I withheld even that from myself. I punished myself. I was stone. I could not bleed. Heavy shit.
0: <laughs> Why did you choose but, that passage? Did you feel like that?
1: Um, Certain parts of it. So Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I didn't tell myself I was gay. I'm, I'm queer. I'm absolutely attracted to men and women. Um, but Mm -hmm. I have been in bed with, um, women and, and also missed sex with men, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is very natural. Um, but the part of this that like really cut me to the core was the, I was stone. I, um, for a while I would, I would touch, but I didn't allow myself to be touched Mm -hmm. that I can really relate to. Um, it has me thinking a lot about, I don't know when you, you know, when you pose this topic to me, when we were talking about this episode, sex interrupted, I had a period of time, you know, in the last year or two years to think about as far as that umbrella goes. Um, and I was thinking about, how I wanted to articulate my own experience of sex being interrupted. And, um, I think for me, what was at the core of it was anger Mm. and not having things that like when you're in a partnership and, Mm -hmm. and there are things going on that you haven't discussed I think it can be really hard to engage with someone physically. Yeah. Or I don't know if this is true of my relationships with men, actually, but I think it is true of my relationships with women that like, if there is something going on in the emotional world of the relationship that isn't being dealt with, it becomes very hard for me to be sexually intimate with that person.
0: Uh, I was I was going to say that I feel like I have experienced that with men, but I mean, that's I <laughs> I think it's more like I find it hard to be intimate with someone when I'm like pissed off about something, but I don't want to bring it up.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, definitely. I think that's huge. I think part of it for me may be that um, I haven't slept with men on an ongoing basis in a long enough time that, well... <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. I I really don't know if that's true about me with men. Like I think Mm -hmm. I, I mean, sex with men is very different for me than sex with women is. And how I relate to men in a relationship is very, is also very different than how I relate to women in a relationship. And I think the culture (laughs) that we live in when you grow up in a patriarchal society When you learn that, like, this is how desire operates, this is how men operate, this is how better men operate. On a certain level, you're being prepared to be let down or to not have your needs met by men. And so I think then when your needs aren't necessarily being met by men, and I don't mean sexual needs, I mean any kind of needs, then it doesn't come as much of a surprise, honestly, to me than when a woman isn't meeting my needs.
0: Oh, sure. That makes sense. TBT, the masculinity episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's easier for me, like, if I'm in a relationship with a man and my needs aren't, my emotional needs aren't being met, it's easier for me, I think, to, um, oh, my God, what's the word? When you classify something and put it in a corner?
0: Compartmentalize. <laughs> Thank
1: you. <laughs> It's easier for me to compartmentalize and say, like, I can still fuck this person because on some level, I kind of expected my needs not to get met.
0: No, that 100% makes sense. I think an important part of the interruption is coming out of the interruption. And uh, not to sound like doom and gloom, but, you know, I did kind of want to touch on uh, when I... (laughs) when I basically, I texted Susanna like three weeks ago and I essentially was like, A, I'm sorry that, uh, I've basically been MIA about the podcast. Bitch, no need to apologize. But B, I like kind of explained that, you know, I had been listening to an episode and I was, I was filled with such peace and overwhelming joy. And I think it was because I like, it was. This is gonna sound so cheesy. Oh my but god! It, it so literally, excited. it literally was like I had been like reintroduced. Like it was like my old self had like was like reaching out through the audio and was like, mm-hmm. "Hey, do you remember me? Do you want to come back?" And I cried because uh, I, because I, I, but I think honestly that speaks to how random grief is. Yeah, and how random it can be when you do lose, like, I mean, I think I kind of, it was, like, losing touch with my sexual self in a lot of ways. Um, but also, like, how random it can be, and um, but, because I think that a lot of people, when they do go through an experience of, like, interruption, or, like, when you were celibate for a year, (laughs) Uh. it can feel like it's gonna last, like, forever. forever. I was definitely convinced that, like, I would never... Be interested. Well, not just like be, I guess like in a way, like I was like, I am a new person or like, I actually wasn't convinced that I was a different person. I wasn't convinced that I had lost myself until I like recognized my old self. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, totally. I thought that I was still like 100% myself. I just thought that I had like, I have grown out of this interest. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't think it was true. I think my brain just like, couldn't do it for a little bit yeah but i
1: think there's also something i mean there's you also are never going to be that person again
0: nor should you you so weird though and that's like kind
1: of but that's kind of exciting because we're changing all the time i mean and you know whether grief and trauma are the cause of a big change um i'm of the i'm an advocate for
0: everyone going through a trauma I think it's, <laughs> at least one I'm very life like, must. <laughs> I'm, I'm so skeptical of people who have never gone through at least one I'm always like it's coming oh yeah
1: <laughs> I mean <laughs> dude I don't even terrible. feel it's like, like, like <laughs> I feel like my trauma list is like very low and then sometimes I hear myself talking about myself and I'm like oh girl you fucked up how'd you get so fucked up <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, also like, I feel like we also like internalize shit and we're like, that wasn't oh, so bad. And then like you, and then you talk about it with your therapist. Who's like, are you kidding me? And you're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Word. I know. Or you like
1: come out on, I mean, this, this also happens. I mean, I think you and I have both experienced this in very different ways, but you come out on the other side of something and you look back and you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> I was going through something. True that. Like my senior year when I was really angrily dealing with my parents' divorce.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And junior year, which honestly also was probably part of why I was celibate that year, which I have not given
0: any thought to. Well, this is why we have the podcast, together. <laughs> this is why you're in the wet seat. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, what we, what you guys haven't figured out yet is that this is just a therapy session for me and Susan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think about if there's any point in time where, like, sex interrupted is a funny thing. I think my funny sex interrupted story is actually the first time I ever... I can actually say first time now. I had my second time having sex in the car recently. Dude, I still um,
1: never have.
0: You know I what? It's completely say, uh, unnecessary. Yeah. Um well no, it's but, necessary
1: if you have nowhere else to go.
0: Yeah, but like as like adults humans right, with like right, right. Of our own um, um this was just but so in you're right. So in <laughs> uh I in the first time that I ever had sex in a car, um we literally like parked at the end of this like cul-de-sac. Um, it was in like a richer neighborhood, but like there were no houses on the end of the cul-de-sac because uh-huh. it was like under construction or whatever. And so we were in the back seat and having like the most uncomfortable intercourse no, anyone no. could ever imagine because like it was not, you know, it, sex in a car is fine if you're like in an SUV, right. but if you're in like some like really like shrunk, if you're in a Prius or, like, oh, something God, that God. is, like, too small in the back seat, It just doesn't work. And, um, or maybe it does work. T- mm. Tell me your stories, actually, oh. everyone. Um, but we were, like, we were mid-sex when a car came up, like, literally, oh, like, God. rode down the street. And then they, like, rounded the cul-de-sac <sighs> and just parked behind us <laughs> with their lights on. Not just their lights, their brights. Was this and at so, night? Like, yes no. night and so we we're like okay 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 and so we get into the front seat right we don't get out of the car we just like jump into the front seat he like pulls up his pants i pull up my pants <laughs> and we, he starts driving and uh this car starts following us what the fuck with their brights on like there's no fucking reason this is not a cop car this is not oh like i was so confused Even like, honk. i would understand if he wanted to like harass us right a good honk honk, honk, honk <laughs> like whatever we would have also been mortified but no so this car we're like going into this neighborhood we're like coming out of the neighborhood and uh we're just driving and we're getting faster and faster and oh faster God. and this car is following us out of this neighborhood oh, like there's no god. reason uh this car is following us out of the neighborhood where we're actually on the main street now and it's still like it's rear bumping us like it is that no. close to the car and it's just keeping up with us for like two to three minutes which is a long time in the car yeah and um and finally we like took enough turns that it like gave up oh my and it god But like, yeah, for like a good five minutes at the end of it, like this car had like followed us like down main thoroughfares and neighborhoods. And I just, to this day, if you're listening car, (laughs) why did you do it? (laughs) Why did you do it? Was it to interrupt the sex just for like shits and giggles that was already done. That's so fucking spooky. So weird. So spooky. I thought I was going to die. I don't know how I would have died, but like, It was, um, yeah, sex interrupted.
1: (laughs) Thank you guys for tuning back in. Seriously. Um, Hopefully after listening to this episode, if you were pissed at us and you were like, where the fuck is my wet seat? Hopefully you have some sympathy for us. But also like, (laughs) or at least for Ashley, not for me. Um, But Yeah, like thanks for listening um, we really love having these conversations we're really excited about a couple of the upcoming guests that we have lined up and we hope that you guys are equally excited that we're back in Bia's Nas Don't
0: forget to like us share us and connect with us on Instagram Facebook or Twitter probably Instagram and if you want some awesome original sex themed artwork on a t-shirt sticker purse a tapestry, Uh, Please check out our Redbubble store. Um, It's redbubble.com slash people slash the And that reminds me that I need to thank our incredible podcast artist, Rebecca Todaro, and of course our co-producer, Billy Coles. We also need to insert a special thank you to Alex Jones, who did our brand new music for the podcast, which we are thrilled with. If you want to check him out, his YouTube is Bishop Scully. Um, I really recommend it if you're working, studying, uh, or just chilling. Thanks, Alex. Um, And don't forget to, if you want to send us any burning questions or funny stories um, or funeral home (laughs) sex escapades, you can share that anonymously on our Google form. Um, And thank you guys so much. Um, Your patience means the world to me. To us! um, And to Susanna. And um, we are really excited to have these conversations again.
1: And last but not least... Don't forget, stay wet.